It's V-Week on ESPN as we continue Jim Balvano's fight against cancer. Good morning. It is time to get up with Tampa Tom. Brings the Bucks back from the brink with a fabulous flurry at the finish. Oh, you need to see how this one ended. Then the D in Big D stands for OBJ. He was all over Dallas yesterday. Will that become his new home as soon as this morning? We've got the answer. And then how about another move that could be made as soon as today? Will Mayfield's new play field be in San Francisco? Those are the questions. We've got the answers as we get up with you starting right now on a Tuesday. Good one last night. Great one ready to go today. Graziano and Nick is ready to go. Mike Tannenbaum is fired up and ready to go after Tom Brady brought us all back from the brink last night. Roll it Monday night. Thriller of the night. Brady's Bucks hosting the Saints. The division is awful, but someone's going to win it. Second quarter, Bucks leading 3 0. Third down, Julio Jones. Yeah, Julio Jones is making a run here. It looked like Julio Bold. Oh, not quite. A little too far for Brady. Bucks got a punt. It was that kind of night most of the night for Brady's Bucks. Meanwhile, other side, here comes Taysom Hill. Oh, Taysom Hill is like a karaoke singer. He's really, really good at doing a lot of different songs, <laughs> but not great at anyone. I'm great touchdown, Taysom. Saints take a 7-3 lead. Brady picked Demario Davis. Yeah, it was a great read by Demario Davis. It felt like he knew it was coming, and Brady fell right into his trap. 10-3 New Orleans at the half. Fourth quarter, Bucks down 16-13. Five minutes left. Gotta have it. Brady, Mike Evans, they're in business. Blah, blah, blah. We all know it's coming. <laughs> Tom Brady, too much time on the clock. Well, here's the one that really is coming. This is a 45-yard interference penalty. Is it a good call? Yeah, I mean, I, as a DB, I want to pretend like it's not a good call, but you got to make that call. It's really on the DB to be smart there and know the one thing you can't do, let the man get behind you. Paulson Adebo, the 45-yard penalty, so the drive is very much alive. First and goal from the one, Cade Otten. He's the new Gronk. Uh, Bucks still down 16-10. After the touchdown, Saints, third and 17. They could put it away if Taysom Hill can hold on to this. It's a great ball, a great almost catch, but an even better defensive play. Quality hit, put his shoulder pad right in where the ball was. It's tough to hold on to that. Keanu Neal, so the Saints have to punt it away. And here comes Tampa Tom. 58 seconds left. Third and six. When you need it, where do you go? Scotty Miller. Yeah, heck of a play by Scotty Miller right there to convert. But again, we all know it's having Tom Brady. <laughs> 39 <laughs> seconds left. Julio Jones. 15 yards, they're in the red zone. Next play after a timeout. You know what's coming. Brady, Godwin, touchdown. Wait a minute. They're going to call this back on a blatant hold. Yeah, it was rough all night. There was a lot of holding out there, a lot of missed blocks. Tom Brady had to back up and try to do it again. The hold is on Donovan Smith. It was a good call. Two plays later, second to goal for the 15. 12 seconds left. Brady Godwin again. They continue the drive, and then here it comes. Saints timeout, eight seconds to go. Third and goal. How about the play to Rashad White? Yeah, it's kind of a gutsy pass right here because with eight seconds, you might have two shots in the end zone. If you throw it short of the end zone, you got to score because our clock might run out in that situation. With one timeout left, maybe not. I was wrong. Thanks Bucks win it 17-16. Clock could have run out on him. Instead, it runs out on New Orleans. Brady, the comeback complete. Just like we drew it up. <laughs> Just like we drew it up. A lot of games come down to those types of plays. Our guys made them. You know, at the end of the day, our guys made the plays this week. Um, it's a hard, hard team to beat, and um, you know, just glad we won. It was a, you know, they got a great defense. They played us very physical, like we thought. You know, we made some mistakes in there, but uh, you know, we made enough plays in the end to win.
made the plays, came up huge, and of course there's only one oh, question. Oh, greedy, greedy. <laughs> I refuse to let us go down this track where we pretend like the Bucks are good, and we pretend like the Bucks are on a roll, and we pretend like the Bucks are going to win the NFC, and everyone's scared of them. The Bucks are not good. The Saints are just worse. They gave that game away last night. I'm sorry, Greedy, to step on your toes. I know you're going to try to oversell us like, oh, Brady's back. Hey, let us on a comeback. Don't worry. You know the one team that no one wants to see in the playoffs? They don't want to see Tom Brady. Everybody wants to see this versus of of the Bucs right now. Yes, Tom Brady in the clutch is really special. But what about all the not clutch minutes? They're not a good football team. I don't know if it's because they missed the coach. I don't know if it's because of injuries. I don't know if it's because of age. Maybe it's a little bit of all, but they're not good. They beat the Saints last night. Congratulations. But nobody in the NFC is actually scared of the Bucs. Okay, so there's two ways we could look at this. There's my way, which is fun, and there's <laughs> Neek's way, which might actually be accurate. My T, which is right. Well, unfortunately, it's Neek's from a standpoint. I wish it could be fun, but the facts are this, Greeny. They have to score in 10, 12-play drives, and they're 27th in the league in point scoring for a reason. They have no speed. They got slow overnight. And they, they have to make these methodical drives, which is really hard. Yeah, like they, they've lost a lot on the offensive line, right? They haven't – Brady, he, he, he's, he's trying to incorporate Rashad White, the rookie running back, right? He catches the winning touchdown. But that's a lot to ask of a rookie to, like, be the explosive element of our team's offense. I think these guys are absolutely right. I think if they're playing anybody else last night, if they're playing a playoff caliber NFC team, they don't make that comeback because – that team, whatever it was, would have made the plays the Saints didn't make, right? right. They would have gotten the first downs they needed to get to put that game away. I, I just there's, – there's something missing. I, that game – last night's game made me sad. Yeah. Like, I was watching both these teams <laughs> thinking, ah, this used to be a great matchup. Like, this was and, – and neither one of them looked like playoff caliber. Okay, so let's say I'm willing to meet all of you guys here and say that last night what we discovered is the Bucks stink slightly less than the Saints do. That's fair. Then my next question becomes this. What meeting did I miss that the Buccaneers went from having a great roster to yeah. having a terrible roster? They got old, slow, and bad overnight. When this season began, week one, they beat Dallas, and we're thinking they're the best defense in the league. Brady will come along, everything, and they're going to be an absolute. And then all of a yeah. sudden, we're looking at them, and they got nowhere to turn. How did that happen so fast? So last night, they had some injuries in the secondary, but I don't think the defense was necessarily the problem. Even though I think the Saints dropped a lot of passes and had missed opportunities, defense for the Bucs was not as great as we expected. The offensive line has been an issue, and those receivers have not been, like, as good as you expected. It feels like Evans has a lot of drop passes. He also seems like uh, he's not – he doesn't have the explosion that, explosion that you uh, come to expect from him. Godwin is the same way, where it's like every now and then, it seems like they all are, like, occasional players. Julio Jones, occasionally you'll see a piece out of that. And Tom Brady, like, frankly, he's not good enough to – carry a team anymore, which is not a disrespectful thing to say, but it's true. They need what they need from Tom Brady is to make plays in spurts and to be able to carry him the rest of the way, which is what they had, how they had success in the past. And right now they're asking him to make a lot of damn spurts throughout the course of the game and it's not going to work. You know, if Tom Brady answers that question, his body language gave it away, Greeny. For everything he's been through on the field, off the field, when he looked his most sad, when, when they lost Ryan Jensen. You know why? Because Tom Brady knows for him to be successful, he has to step up in the pocket. And when Ryan Jensen went down, it looked like Tom Brady lost a relative. <laughs> and he hasn't been the same ever since because he can't step up in the pocket. Uh-oh. And from there, everything changes. And I, I hate to put it all on one player, but if this team had Ryan Jensen, I actually think they could look different. Remember when when Brady unretired, it was right around the same time. They thought they were going to lose Jensen in yep. free agency, but he came back. Like Tom helped talk him back onto the team. So, look, they're missing a lot up front. 
They are missing a lot on defense. They're playing without Shaq Barrett. Their yeah. pass rush isn't what it was the, the last couple of years. They have had injuries in the secondary. Life comes at you fast, Greeny. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. like this, it happens this quickly, and it has happened to the Bucs. If they're in any other division, they're a non-factor. Yes, but a year ago, a season ago, yeah. with basically the same receivers. I understand Gronk isn't there, and I know how much he loves Gronk. But with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, Tom Brady set individual records for most passing yards and touchdowns. That was last year. We used to have a guy sit here on Tuesdays and talk about how important the offensive line was. I don't yes. know what happened to that guy, <laughs> what he's doing now. I love the I, offensive line. He hasn't line. been around. I know, it's great to have Mike here. But, 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 but the fact of the matter, there was a guy, and he used to say, you know, the offensive line was – and when, when you start having injuries, especially in the middle, look at the look what Cincinnati's doing with that rebuilt offensive line in the middle and how much better that looks. It's, it's incredible the difference it makes. All right, then I want to change the topic if I can. So, so let, let's just say even I will acknowledge that the Buccaneers, in my opinion, regardless of where the games are played, and, and they will host one if they win the division in the playoffs, they will be a substantial underdog, whoever it is they play in the first round of the playoffs. Right now, hilariously, it would be Dallas. But let's let's live in a world where they're not winning anything of consequence. But well, why are you hanging your head like that? Dallas at Brady? Come on, week one I'm of the in, playoffs? I'm anticipating the week of baloney that we are going to have to listen to headed into that game. And yes, Tom Brady's good enough to get them on a game-winning drive at the end situation, but they won't be in that situation that's, because that's, Dallas is much better than the team they were in week one. My baloney has a last name. It's B-R-A-D-Y. Okay, don't you worry about that. Now, having said that, let, let me ask the following question because if Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and all these guys all of a sudden have gotten bad, then that suggests that Brady is still good. So is Brady still a person who next season – you could plug into one of these places that might need a quarterback at 46 and say he's going back to another Super Bowl with somebody else. Absolutely. I don't think that all these receivers around him have gotten bad. I think that they are, they've been like up and down. The O-line is a bigger issue. But the thing, the point that I wanted to make about Brady is even with the big numbers, he was getting helped a lot by the protection, by great receiving play, by great defense. So if you can find a situation that can protect him, like this is true of a lot of quarterbacks, not just Tom Brady. Like we saw that last year with Matthew Stafford. If you can protect that quarterback, play really good defense, have playmakers on the edge, yes, Tom Brady is going to be a Super Bowl caliber quarterback if you drop him in a perfect situation. A lot of quarterbacks are. Okay, let's have some fun. What's that situation? I'll give you two of them. The New England Patriots go back home. What? Yeah, yeah and the San Francisco 49ers. They just got invested another first rounder in their offensive line. That offensive line is not bad, and they have better skill players than people realize. That may be a marriage of convenience. Yeah. New England. Yeah. The one that had a Devontae cornerback Parker playing receiver last Is Tom Brady <laughs> about to go get coached up by Matt Patricia and Joe Judge? Seriously, because I will jump in that river. I, I'm, I'm telling you right now, I'm not feeling so well, and you're telling me he's going to go up there and be coached offensively by Matt Patricia and Joe guys. Judge? Yeah. Maybe they make changes on the offensive staff. but the They better point, do that anyway. Right, right, but the point is, if you put Tom Brady in that offense, they have two good tight ends, which we know that he loves, in Hunter Henry and John U. Smith. They have a young receiver in Tyron uh, Tyreek Thornton, who can really stretch the defense. I just think for a year or two, him going back there is not inconceivable. You had me at San Francisco. I, I, he had me at San Francisco. <laughs> I mean, it makes some sense. I mean, I think Las Vegas makes some sense to go back with Josh McDaniels. No? You're shaking your head? I mean, I, I don't like Las they'd Vegas. They have to put the line together. Yeah, yeah. no, I, that's the thing. Yeah. Uh, San Francisco and Las Vegas need to improve both offensive lines. San Francisco is a lot closer, and I do think that you can take pressure off Tom with short passes there. The reason, what you want Tom Brady for is what we saw last night. Mm -hmm. It's like you would like to protect Tom for most of the game, in my opinion, and then you 
you know that at the end of the game, everyone on that field trusts Tom Brady in that situation. That has huge value. But being able to protect him throughout the rest of the game and have him throw short passes to, say, Debo Samuel or Christian McCaffrey and them make plays would be a nice situation. The other thing to watch, remember, all the stuff about Miami and how it was going to be him and Sean Payton in Miami. Sean's still out there. Yeah. Like if you have a deep-pocket owner in Carolina, right, that wants to make a big splash, maybe, you know, you pursue that package. And they have the same agent. Ooh. I can't. I, I can't see that him going to Carolina. I, I, isn't isn't Sean Payton? Well, 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 we got a lot to get to here. I think. Yeah, Sean yeah Payton there's a lot that would have to happen. There are a lot of things we're going to have to figure out. But the one thing we know for certain: the, the Buccaneers right now are in control of the worst division in the National Football League. Brady's going to get a home playoff game if it holds. It's going to be interesting. <laughs> Nick is going to lose it. In the meantime, as we continue the full court press for OBJ, did you see what happened at the Mavs game last night? Is this a done deal? And does he make the Cowboys super? We'll answer all those questions. Plus, how about another move that could be made as soon as today? Will Mayfield's new play field be in San Francisco? We're getting up with you on ESPN. Delicious, meat nutritious, and the snack that packs a real protein punch. Wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has 6 grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you're on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries. Well, the good news is, not only are wonderful pistachios a complete protein, providing all all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut, or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Ugly game, but a chance at the end, and Tom Brady knows what to do with these chances. Brady, end zone, touchdown, Bucks. Tom Brady lights up in these opportunities. Here's one for Jones. What a grab. Now time is an issue. Eight seconds remain. Third and goal. And touchdown, Rashad White! 44th career comeback in the fourth quarter or overtime. The most all-time now. Just like we drew it up. <laughs> Just like we drew it up. <laughs> what could be funnier? <laughs> uh, including... <laughs> Including playoffs, Tom Brady oh, was 1-43 and 43 in his career when trailing by at least 13 points in the fourth quarter prior to last night. The only time he won that game was in the Super Bowl, the legendary 28-3 comeback against the Falcons. They were down 19 in the fourth quarter before winning that game in overtime. So an, an unbelievable night 
for Brady and the Bucks. Now, another quarterback with questions. Baker Mayfield could have a new home as soon as today after the Panthers waived him yesterday. 49ers head coach Kyle Shanahan was asked about the possibility of Mayfield joining his team after they lost Jimmy G for the season. Here's what he said. Um, I mean, we look into everything, but um, that was, I mean, that surprised me right now. I mean, I, I've always been a fan of his, but feel real good about our players, and we'll look into everything, but feel pretty good with where we're at right now. I'm not sure what exact device he was using for that communication. <laughs> Walkie-talkie. But uh, one way or another, let's talk through how this process works. I was on the radio when I saw this news yesterday. Mayfield is being released. My first thought was, eh, he'll be in San Francisco in 15 minutes. It's obviously not nearly that simple. Take us through it. Greedy, after the trade deadline, all players, including veterans, are subject to being claimed. So right now, and it marries the draft order, San Francisco would be 25th in that order. So any team, 1 through 24, that puts in a claim before 4 o'clock today would get Baker Mayfield in his contract approximately $1.3 million. So therefore, it would be surprising if he made it all the way down to San Francisco. So, so to be clear, if he makes, if he were to send signals, because you've, you've done this yep. for a living, if he were to send signals, his agent were to send signals, San Francisco is really where he wants to go. Other right. teams aren't going to honor that? No, they're not, because if I'm looking for a quarterback in 2023, I have a free look, don't have to give up a draft choice to get somebody who was the first pick in the draft. So I would be stung, Greeny, even if those signals went out, if some team didn't put in a claim. So then let me turn to my insider extraordinaire, Mr. Graziano, over here and ask you, if not Baker Mayfield, then what? what? What what are we hearing is the plan in San Francisco oh. where Garoppolo goes down? They've got the kid Purdy right now. They bring up Josh Johnson. Mm -hmm. Is there are, is there another move out there for this I mean, team? I'm looking at, like I don't see Montana or Steve Young on the graphic, yeah. right? Like that. Oh. Like it's not really. Look, no. I mean, it, it's week 14. I mean, these guys are not sitting out there waiting to be uh, waiting to be signed. I, I, my understanding is, you know, Purdy's a guy that they like. He's been there the whole offseason, the whole season. They think. The whole point of this team was, you know, we, we build it around the quarterback and kind of prop him up a little bit. So I think that was the plan with Trey Lance. It was the plan with Jimmy Garoppolo. It's going to be the plan with Brock Purdy. Imperfect, yes, but that's what they have. So, Nick, that brings us the big question. Are the 49ers Super Bowl contenders right this minute? I think if you thought they were Super Bowl contenders last week, you think they're Super Bowl contenders this week. I, I Honestly, like we saw Brock Purdy step in in the first quarter, and it didn't seem like this team missed much of a beat. I understand that maybe they'll get some tape on Brock Purdy, but it's not like Brock Purdy is It's like we're going from Flacco to Lamar Jackson. You're going from Jimmy G to Brock Purdy. I don't think that there's going to be a defensive scheme that can account for the talent that they have around them. And, frankly, as good as that defense is, you're, not, you're never asking for much from a San Francisco quarterback. And you can look at, um, I think Dan Orlovsky said this at the beginning of the season, is that, and it stuck with me, that um, Kyle Shanahan's never had a bad quarterback. He's played some bad quarterbacks out there, but he's never had a quarterback play just totally badly. So I kind of have a little faith in this team. Well enough Rockford. to win. We're not talking about winning a game here or there. We're not talking about yeah. keeping the season afloat. I, he's going to have to be the captain of the ship going all the way. Can they win a championship that way? No, because I said they couldn't before. So, like, that's my, my point is if you look at what we've seen from uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, though he looks incredibly handsome next to these guys, kind of like me right now next to you guys, <laughs> yeah. he is not a very, very good quarterback. You look at his playoff record, his playoff stats, they've been bad. Bad. Not but, mediocre, bad. But, that, but when you look at his record in San Francisco, Kyle Shanahan mm -hmm. with Jimmy G and then everybody else, the Nick Bones of the world and the Brian Hoyers, 
it's dramatically better with Jimmy Gar- That's the fact. But you why? Can, but why? why? Because he's a good quarterback, and maybe he hasn't been good great in the playoffs. Well, you answer the question. Why? Yeah, yeah, no, I think it's because he is a good quarterback, and he works in that system, but everything around him is great. You know That's that, the difference. You know that he's 3-0 and lifetime in the playoffs when he doesn't throw a touchdown pass? Nice. Good strategy. Let's take our court. You know what I can do? I can not throw a touchdown pass. I can go in there and not throw a touchdown pass. Right. Did it last weekend. With Jimmy Garoppolo, this team had a legitimate chance to win the Super Bowl. There's no way. Look, Brock Purdy, I was encouraged like everybody else. I don't think there's any chance that they could go beat Philly or Dallas. My point is the reason why we focus on the quarterback so much in many different situations is there comes down to a moment where you need somebody to make the play. And because the quarterback has the ball, it's normally going to be the quarterback. Did you believe that Jimmy Garoppolo? Garoppolo was capable of that because we haven't seen him do it yet. They got so, like, if you if you did not believe that Jimmy Garoppolo was capable of that and you also thought they were Super Bowl contenders, then it hasn't changed because you don't think Purdy is either. Well, actually, with Purdy, you got a maybe. We've never seen him in the playoffs. With Jimmy D, we've seen it. They got this close to pulling it off, right? Yeah. This close to pulling it off without him having to make a play. He threw eight passes in the NFC Championship game, mm-hmm. and they won it and went to the Super Bowl. And then they almost beat the Chiefs, and he needed to make one throw to an open receiver, and guess what? He didn't make it. I, look, no, I, no one standing here arguing that Jimmy Garoppolo belongs in the conversation with Joe Montana and Steve Young. But at least he is a proven commodity who has experience and has done it and has won games. You're putting Mr. Irrelevant out there. I'm, I'm using that literally. That's who he was, the last pick in the draft, and saying when is a championship kid. I'm not saying he can't, but if he does, it'll be the first time it has ever happened. In the meantime, let me do it quickly. we got a game I love called Awesome, Awful, and Awkward. Week 13 is now behind us. Neek, what was something awesome? Well, I mean, I got bullied into this. Apparently, this Najee Harris stiff arm is something that you guys think is awesome. I think it's awful and awkward. You're not allowed to bounce a human. It's not okay. Like, this is not basketball, and that that's a man. He's got a family. Don't be throwing people off the ground. I will oh. not accept this DB abuse. <laughs> Mike T, what was something awful from the weekend? Well, clearly it was awful, and we're going to get to a little awkward here. The Indianapolis Colts in the fourth quarter, it's 21-19. And in the fourth quarter, they're outscored 33 to nothing. That is awful. And candidly, it's awkward talking about Jeff Saturday's team oh, on a Tuesday on Get Up. Yeah. And then Graziano, how about something else that was awkward? Awkward is the Giants and the Commanders tying. Because <laughs> when you have a tie, like I don't have anything against a tie, but it is awkward. Like you go in the <laughs> locker room and you want to ask questions, you're not entirely sure what to ask. <laughs> is that a good result? Is it a bad result? Like are you guys happy? And, and, and the players really don't know what to say. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I mean, I guess it could have been worse. Here's what they should all say. That tie will probably put both these teams into the playoffs. The tie is the most unfairly criticized thing in all of sports. It is going to wind up working out extremely well for both. You know who didn't like that tie? The Detroit Lions did not like that the Giants and Commanders tied. All right, as we continue, the D in Big D stands for OBJ. He was all over Dallas yesterday. Will it become his new home as soon as this morning? We've got the answer to that question. Plus, are all the wheels about to fall off for the Ravens after Lamar's knee injury? How much trouble is Baltimore? in now. We'll answer all those questions. It's Get Up on ESPN. All right, we are back on Get Up, and if you missed it last night, what a finish. Bucks and Saints, not the most riveting game most of the night, Dan, and the fourth quarter happened. Bucks trailing 16-3. Brady 
Evans, incomplete. But Neek, there's a penalty, a 45-yard interference. Is this a good call? Yeah, it's ticky-tack. I hate it as a DB, but in a situation like this, I expect it. The DB's got to keep the player in front of him. It's a 45-yard penalty that leads to this. Kate Otten, the young rookie tight end, is excellent. Bucks get within 16-10, and then they get the ball back here off this. Saints third and 17. Taysom Hill has a chance if he can squeeze it. Yeah, Andy Dalton was playing really well. A lot of drop passes, but this one, I don't know that we can blame Taysom Hill. He took a big shot. Saints forced to punt, and that gives the Bucks one more chance. Final minute, Scotty Miller converts a third and six, or they're moving the chains. Next play, he's got Julio Jones and you just know what's coming. Yeah, Tom Brady in this situation, blah, blah, blah. He's going to he can't quite blah, blah this one. It was historic. Eight seconds left, third and goal. Brady, Rashad White, touchdown. Uh, just like that, they come all the way back and win 17-16 year final. And it is the latest regulation time go-ahead touchdown pass of Tom Brady's career. We told you he had only come from this big a deficit before in that Super Bowl, the legendary one against the Falcons. And this is the latest regulation go-ahead touchdown pass he's thrown. He's now thrown two go-ahead scores in the final 15 seconds of regulation this season. Remember the first one came against the Rams back in week nine. We thought that was going to springboard them to big things this season. Let's see if this one does. Meanwhile, next stop is Dallas, where free agent wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr. was visiting with the Cowboys yesterday. He ended the day at the Dallas Mavericks game. He went over there with Micah Parsons and Trayvon Diggs, and the Dallas crowd was excited to say the least. BJ, I love it. Okay, let's go, Graziano. Is this uh, is are the, are the I love Dallas it. You want to start with me? You I know the, what's going to happen. Are the <laughs> Dallas fans going to get their wish as soon as today? Uh, I can give you a hard maybe. Okay. I think. Look, look. I'll I take it. That's better. He he has the medical evaluation yesterday, right? Today he's meeting with uh, other people with the team, coaches, players, etc. Yeah, and then I think the visits will be done, right? It was Giants last week, Bills last week, Cowboys now, unless some other team comes out of the woodwork. These teams have to figure out medically how much he can be a help to them this year. And, and if they can't get to that point, there's a chance that, that no one signs him and it's a next year thing. That's still one potential outcome. Uh, obviously, Jerry Jones has been very vocal, very vocal on the record and publicly about wanting this player. That's the wild card in all of this. If the, if the Cowboys decision makers are saying, eh, we're not sure, we're not sure, he's the ultimate decision maker. Right. Maybe he ends up there. But... We'll, we'll know more in the coming days, but right now, those are the big questions that are being asked. Is he healthy enough to help us this year? At Tannenbaum, how does that stuff get determined? Inside the building, what exactly is going on right now? Yeah, he'll take a physical, and they'll determine whether or not he's ready to go. But I think the more fundamental question, Greeny, is can he help them four to six weeks from now? Because if I'm Dallas, I look at what happened to Jimmy Garoppolo, despite what Meek said, and my window just got even bigger to win. So I don't really care if I have dead money in 2023 or 2024 if I'm Jerry Jones at 80 years old. So I care about December 6th, but I really care four to six weeks from now when I have a playoff game in Philadelphia, can this guy make two or three consequential plays to get me to the Super Bowl. Hey, you still, in theory, have, hold out some hope of getting that game in Dallas, too. You yeah. get to play them one more time at home, and you hope that maybe you find a way to get that one seed. But I agree with you. It doesn't figure that way right now. Look, at the end of the day, I mean, we had data yesterday that said that the NFC is just a two-horse race. Do yeah. you see it that way? After Philly and Dallas, do you see anyone 
that you could realistically see winding up in the Super I mean, Bowl. I still think San Francisco's really good, but I'd still put them a tier below those two NFC East teams. And, yeah, anything Minnesota, that you can – Minnesota? Yeah. 10-2. Yeah, I, I, Minnesota's 10-2. and two. Do you yeah. think that they're going to win? I don't know, but they're 10-2. No, don't, don't millie-mouth it. Like, they win. You, you, you like, said yeah. Minnesota just because they no. win, you're doing that. Yeah. It's a Minnesota, I think, is capable, but I don't see them as being better. It, it seems clear to me that these two teams are head and shoulders above without many uh, weaknesses. Greg, just to add to this, because this graphic makes a great point. If you're Jerry Jones, there's an arms race, right? So Philadelphia adds Robert Quinn, Linville Joseph, and Dominican Sue. Jerry Jones's proclivities isn't to sit there and say, like, oh, okay, we'll let them get better. So I think the stakes oh. are even raised higher that they try to sign. Oh, I disagree. I think Odell Beckham would be a strong departure from the Cowboys' recent free agent philosophy. They have not brought in a lot of guys from the outside. Right, but I'm saying given where we are right now, and to Greeny's point that this is a two-horse race, and San Francisco just lost their starting quarterback, and we want to win right now, and we have a guy that could make a, a, be a game-changer, this is the time to do it. The other problem is, like, what's the deal, right? Do you need to sign it? You've talked about this, right? Do you sign him for next year? They have big-time cap issues looking at, at next year, right? Like, they, it, it, to sign him for right now as a maybe – in a, in a manner that could impact you next year and the decisions you want to make on your own players, it's, it's something that yeah. can't be ruled. All I'm saying is it's, it's not an open and shut case. Jerry wants him. He's going to be there. Right this minute, put Odell out of the conversation. Right this minute, you got to bet that palatial estate of yours in our nation's capital on one team to come out of the NFC and play in the Super Bowl. That team would be? My opinion hasn't changed since before the season started. It's the Philadelphia Eagles. They are loaded. They're incredible on defense, on offense. There are no real weaknesses on this team. The one question was, can the quarterback win from the pocket? <laughs> he's been doing it week after week. Let's fly. That's right, fly, fly. Eagles, We got fly, fly. Eagles, fly. Yeah, yeah. They're going to fly to their home theater and watch the Dallas Cowboys in the Super Bowl. Oh. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. Why? You, you have, in, in fairness to Tannenbaum, you have been saying that since before the season began. Because they have the highest ceiling, and we forget that Dak Prescott, since he's been back, guys, is number one in the NFL in points scored. Mm -hmm. Love Jalen Hurts' improvement, but if both teams play their A game and, and they play ten times, Dallas wins six or seven of those games. I think gonna, Dallas at their best is really scary. But if that game is – if Philadelphia gets the one seed, yeah. I think you have to favor them. If the Cowboys can somehow steal that away, I'll, I'll be on your side. These teams play each other in Arlington on Christmas Eve. Um, right now, of course, the Eagles have a game in hand. They played each other back when Cooper Rush was still the quarterback mm -hmm. for the Cowboys. Dallas needs to win that game and make up one more somewhere else. So right now, odds still favor the Eagles being the one seed. But as you see, our analytics love the Dallas Cowboys. So we'll see how it plays out the rest of the way in the NFC. Meanwhile, the big story right now in the AFC is in Baltimore, where quarterback Lamar Jackson had an MRI yesterday on his injured left knee. He was hurt on the last play of the first quarter Sunday against Denver, did not return. Here's the update from Coach John Harbaugh. He's been through the MRIs, and uh, I would say it's kind of week to week. You know, it's going to be a weekly thing. So uh, as the week goes on, we'll see for this week. It's probably less likely for this week, but it's not impossible. Um, and then after that, it'll become more and more likely. All right, so that's the injury update on Lamar Jackson. What, 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 what more can, if anything, can you add to what we're hearing about his status? No, I think that's it. I think it's, they have him, how does it respond to rest? How does it respond to treatment this week? He's being realistic, Harbaugh is. They don't expect that he'll recover in time to play this week, even though they haven't ruled it out. Uh, but, yeah, I think they're, they're probably going to be without him for a time, and they're going to have to, to patch it together with um, – with Huntley, which is they've done before with some level of 
that's your game this week, right? You've got them. They yes. play the Steelers this week, so that you know the traditional rivalry and all the rest of that. You know the Steelers would love nothing more than to hand them a, a, a really damaging Steelers defeat are, at this stage. And, and the Steelers might actually yeah. have something to play for as well. Here's the thing. I, I always associate you with the Ravens. That's your team. I know you played in Denver as well. Um, but here's the reality of it. I, I understand that there were issues, um, you know, that Lamar Jackson has not been brilliant all yeah, season long. Right. I, I'm not here to tell you that Lamar Jackson this year has played at the level that Josh Allen has played or Patrick Mahomes has played or the way Joe Burrow is playing right now, the, the sort of the, the, the big quarterbacks in the AFC. But, you know, I spent some time yesterday just sort of looking over the team that he is playing with. Yeah. And this is a team, like, we all thought that trading away Hollywood Brown for what they got for him might have been a good move at the time. They got a first-round pick for a player who it doesn't really feel yeah. like he's a difference maker. But they then drafted a safety and an offensive lineman. They didn't draft a skill position player until the fourth round of the draft. They based their entire season on Rashad Bateman yeah. staying healthy. If ever the words, we couldn't afford to lose Rashad Bateman, are spoken, that's an organizational problem. At the end of the day, Lamar Jackson hasn't been brilliant, Dominique, but I think this organization has failed around him far more than he has failed. Well, when you go from Ozzie Newsome, quite possibly the best, like, executive that the league has ever seen to DaCosta like there's going to be a step down DaCosta has been good but it's hard for me I I think we all extend a level of respect to the Ravens organization because of the success that they've had frankly since their inception they've been well run patient make good decisions and it makes me hesitant to be critical of them but when you lay out <laughs> the roster around them it's hard to push back on that in a league where everyone needs a playmaking difference maker on the edge they've never really had one healthy and consistent enough for a long long enough time to take some pressure off Lamar. If I'm Lamar Jackson, and no one is just excusing what he tweeted last week, he should have done it, he apologized for it, I'm glad that he did. But at the end of the day, the frustration is easy to understand. Look who Burrow is throwing to. Look who Allen is throwing to. Look who Mahomes is throwing to. And look who Lamar is throwing to. And Mark Andrews is the only guy he has who would start on any other team, maybe in the entire conference. You know, Greeny, there's a great axiom that applies here, which is not all injuries in the NFL are created equal, meaning that Rashad Bateman's injury is like one they could ill afford. Now, we certainly could blame them for saying they have lack of depth, and I agree with that. So if I'm them, look, they went out, they got Deshaun Jackson, and they're trying to patch this together. But clearly, for them to get to where they want to go and compete with the heavyweights of the AFC, they have to go sign one, maybe two receivers. They signed Deshaun Jackson, did they? Yeah, that's a, is T.O. next? <laughs> I mean, well, Brandon Marshall was here yesterday. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like These are things that, that fans usually are sitting home doing, I don't know, why don't we sign Deshaun Jackson? And then teams always, they pull the what Graziano does to me every week, and they say, you know, that's being ridiculous. Right. They, 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 they did it. They actually did it because they had no better answers. Ozzie Newsom was so good at his job that the sort of um, the, 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 the halo over what he did has sort of lasted all of this time. And we put the, give them this honeymoon period. They're always all hurt. And they based their entire season on Rashad Bateman staying healthy. Yeah. So if I'm Lamar Jackson, I'm pretty cranky too. Yeah, I mean, the, Ozzie's last draft, he gave them Lamar Jackson at the end. And I'm sure DaCosta was involved in all that decision-making process. But the thing is, they make prudent decisions throughout this whole process. Like, I can't look back at anything that they've done and said, that was stupid. Everything seems smart, but they don't do a lot of swinging for the fences, which I think is like... It seems reasonable, but it also, like, it costs you sometimes. And that's why they win a lot of games, 
and not a lot of championships. And the picks Ooh. just haven't hit at those skill positions. Yeah. That same draft, they had another first-round pick, right? It was Hayden Hurst. Didn't pan out, right? Like, Bateman's a first-round pick. Rashad Perryman was a first-round pick. Like, they just haven't been able to find that guy. Uh, similar, I mean, the Eagles have been in a similar, similar situation with first-round receivers, but they've managed to build the team otherwise. All right. We will see where it all winds up going from there. As we continue, another AFC contender are the Jets about to make an enormous mistake with their quarterbacks. Are they going to go back to Zach Wilson when they have finally found Mr. Right in Mr. White? We'll answer that question next. We are back, and Good Calls is brought to you by Subway. Here's a good call. Tom Brady's game winner last night, the Buccaneers Radio Network. Here's the snap. Brady dropping, looking. Brady throws. Caught ball. It's caught. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Rashad White. Rashad White. Touchdown, Buccaneers. Fire the cannons. Bucks tie the game at 16. Brady with a dart, and Rashad White finishes. <laughs> And the Bucks get the win, and so for Tom Brady, who was down 16-3 in the final quarter, it was the 44th fourth-quarter comeback of his career. As you see, he breaks a tie with Peyton Manning for the most in NFL history. All right, a uh, young player who almost had a come-from-behind win this past weekend in the fourth quarter was Mike White, the quarterback of the New York Jets. Their mad dash in the fourth quarter in Minnesota came up just short, and it leaves alive the question, what are the Jets going to do about last year's number two pick, Zach Wilson? Here was Coach Robert Sala talking about that yesterday. Zach's been doing a lot, everything right. He's, uh, he's, he's been putting in the extra meeting time. He's been putting in the extra work after, after practice. Um, uh, really working on trying to retie all his fundamentals together and uh, uh, spending, like I said, spending extra time with him. All the work that he's doing on scout team with regards to uh, playing quarterback. The intent is to still get him back on the football field. There you go. Tannenbaum, you continue not to like that. I hate that. Like, we're, we're celebrating a guy for doing his job, like coming in early and staying late. You're the quarterback. You're the CEO. That's your job description. And this is a meritocracy. The best players play. Mike White is a better football player than Zach Wilson. What are we talking about here? That what are we was, talking about? That was magnificent by Robert Sala. I agree. That's exactly what you should do right now. The point is, whenever, and I talk about this a lot on here, when the, the coaches are doing press conferences, they are talking to a constituency. Sometimes it's the fans, sometimes it's the media, sometimes it's their own locker room, sometimes it's an individual player. And right now, what he said was directly for Zach Wilson because they don't want to give up on him, and who knows, they might need him. Jimmy Garoppolo just got hurt. You do not want him to give up. So the players in the locker room know better. They're not stupid. They know that what Robert Sala is saying is for the benefit of Zach Wilson, and they know that Mike White's going to be their quarterback. It does not hurt any it only it only gives uh, Zach Wilson the motivation and the encouragement to keep doing the right things. I know you say they should already do that. They should know it. But if they're not, you have to teach them and reinforce it positively. That is magnificent. Meek, there's a time and place. I generally agree with you. But when you're talking about the quarterback position in New York City, you don't do that. You have a really good team. But I guess I don't understand what's gone wrong. What, what's, what's the drawback of him doing that? Because now every week they're going to say – 
Do you, are you playing Mike White? Are you playing Zach Wilson? Oh, and he'll, he'll just keep taking it week by week, Mike. Yeah, on this, in this particular case, I completely disagree with you. I, I think he's getting – you know what Martin Sala finally has learned to do, which I, just, I criticized him for last year, was he was too honest. He's finally lying to me. I want my <laughs> coaches lying to me. Say the yeah. things that are actually in the moment. I think he's doing exactly what Nick is saying, and it's the right thing. Mike White is the quarterback of this team until he gives that job back. They owe there nothing. is no question. They owe nothing to Zach it's Wilson. It's not about owing something to Zach Wilson. It's about protecting your team and your investment. So, like, if, let's say Mike White gets hurt, if you are, like, pooping on Zach Wilson all this time, Zach is not showing up to no. practice. We're He's not, not doing the extra work, not, and that does not help you. That hurts everybody, yes. including him. We're what, not pooping. We're not pooping. You, we have standards. You, Our standards are the standards, and the best players play. You, you are suggesting a pooping. You are advocating for a pooping. <laughs> you don't want him to give him some encouragement. Just yeah. give him some encouragement. Yes, because the, the alternative is, you know what, Zach Wilson is not playing again no matter what happens because we, we have given And then up how does him. Zach respond to that? By turtling up. And then if you need him at some point, you don't have him because you decided you wanted to poop. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Dan, follow that. I forget what I was going to say. Me too. But it's still part of Robert Sala's job to coach Zach Wilson. He has yeah. not been released from the team, right? right. Like he's on, so there's nothing wrong with that. You're talking about the press conference. Like, I've worked with all those dudes. They're not that scary. Yeah. Like, like yeah. it's not, you have the press conference, it's five, ten minutes, you go back to your office and you get back to doing the Let coaching. me ask you this. How would you assess the chance, the percent chance, that Zach Wilson is the starting quarterback for the Jets week one of next year? Not, not high at all. No, no, not high, but it's not zero. Right, right, I, right. I mean, it's got to be at least 25%. He's the second pick in the draft last year. And I'm all for coaching him getting better. We know the quarterback's a developmental position. The presumptive MVP, Jalen Hurts, is a great example. My point is, you don't have to do it through the media and you could call Zach Wilson in the office and say hey we're not giving up on you this is not a dead sense. The thing I, what you don't understand is as a player you do have to do it through the media like going to Zach in the locker room saying you're doing a good job buddy we're really proud of you does not mean nearly as much as going publicly and saying Zach is working hard we're impressed we're proud of him it's like it, it seems quite obvious to me that you lose nothing no one in that locker room is, is like man coach Shore is a dummy for that we're not going to play hard this week but it means like 1000% potentially to Zach Wilson. It's okay. Like, we're not on first take. It's okay to be like, man, you guys are right. I messed up. Good job. I'm going to add that to my repertoire. Acknowledge the error of your ways. It's yes. okay. We are not pooping. <laughs> it's okay. That is going to be the second most unusual words that are printed on our screen in this little five-minute stretch of Get Up this morning. Yes. Mike Tannenbaum says, we are not pooping on Zach Wilson. <laughs> We've got that. But maybe even more interestingly, we have a new feature that we are going to try this morning, and it has extraordinarily of zero fox given. Uh, that is the name of this feature. <laughs> Dominique has a couple of things that have caught his attention, uh, and he is going to explain to us what they are. The first one involved DK Metcalf. Yeah, DK Metcalf wanted this matchup all day against Jalen Ramsey, even when the defense didn't call for it. So you know what? DK says, come over. Jalen's like, my defense does not allow me to do that. But apparently, Jalen Ramsey does give a few foxes, so he stayed and kept the <laughs> integrity of the defense. But I would suggest Forget it. Flip-flop it. Flip-flop it. Go get that work. Jalen Ramsey is as good as it gets in this league at corner, frankly, at nickel, at safety. He can do it all, so he knows the scheme. He can switch sides. So Jalen Ramsey, I know he wanted to switch sides. That's an awesome moment. I, I bet you a lot of people missed that. Go. Yeah, and Minka Fitzpatrick, unfortunately, he cares a little too much about having integrity and doing the right thing and giving his, best, his team the best chance to win. 
You score a touchdown right there. <laughs> I don't give any about anything. As a cornerback or as a defensive back, you catch it and you high step. Right now, I'm disappointed. Low knees. Get them things up. Kick them. Hand behind the head. You get in the end zone, and this celebration is much better. Disappointed in Mika. He's good, but not good enough. It, well, it clinched winning the game, but you're saying you give zero fucks about that. You zero. Think he should have scored. I don't care about touchdown. W's. I care about T's. And then how about this? Oh, now we're talking. Clearly, you give no foxes right here. We're looking at the the uh, celebration. Uh, pop that thing. Twerk it, twerk it. Pop that thing. I'm down with this. This is in reference to the NWL. NW- SL um, soccer player Labonta, who did the fake injury injury into the twerk. My man Alexander Madison did the same thing. I know you guys, you're not even showing the twerk. This you're gonna have allow us to call this zero fox given and then not show the twerk. I don't see no flexion and extension. And yeah, disappointing. We did that once on the air, and I, I learned I can't do it. <laughs> One way or the other, I don't have oh, I don't have fun. all the requisite uh, skills that are necessary. Uh, as we continue in just a moment. Grand opening grand closing. Tampa <laughs> brings the Bucks back from the brink with a fabulous flurry uh. at the finish. You need to see how last night ended, and you will. Nag, get up on ESPN. <laughs>